Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, We are going to once again dive into a conversation that uh, I find is increasingly critical in the life and health of churches, and that is the role of governance. And to do that, we're going to have another new member of our Board of Elders team here at Southridge join in on this conversation. So uh, welcome, Dee Newman. Uh, Dee, uh, it's great to have you here. I know you've been here once before sharing your personal story, but uh, I'm glad that you can join us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. Um, If you can remind us just a little bit about yourself and kind of your personal background, what you do for work, family, that kind of stuff, give us a bit of that background to start. Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm married to Perry, 24 years. We have two girls who are 17 and 20. Um, Both are living with us. Uh, Our oldest attends Brock and our youngest is in grade 12. Uh, We have a third addition to our family this year. Our uh, nephew is living with us. Um, He's attending Brock too. And so that's fun having him uh but man can that kid eat a lot so our uh grocery budget is uh really significantly increased but it's fun to have him here so so yeah our world is involved with um young adults and uh it's a great age so so we live in fenwick um i have been a social worker since 1996 um I grew up in a little village of South Cayuga, which is on the west side of Dunville. Um, I attended a three-point charge uh, with the United Church of Canada. And a three-point charge, if people don't know, is uh, uh, three sister churches. And there's one minister, and the minister travels between the three churches. And so every Sunday, um, the minister would preach three identical sermons and lead three identical services at three different locations. So. Um, so I grew up in a small uh, United Church. Um, the older I get, honestly, the more thankful I am for my church background and upbringing. Um, they know how to do community, and I kind of wish I could kind of put them in a petri dish and study them and figure out what their recipe is. But they really nail community, and so so growing up having that template was an absolute gift. Um, the thing about the United Church is they, they don't really preach a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, I learned that when I went to camp. So I went to camp when I was 15, became a Christian when I was 15 at camp, um, and have been following Jesus ever since. Um, and yeah, so that's a bit of our background. In- interestingly enough, Perry kind of has a similar story to mine. Um, he too grew up in the United Church, um, went to camp, uh, became a Christian at camp, um, and has kind of kind of followed along. So, so we kind of share that uh, connection. And you guys have both been longtime veterans around Southridge. I would say probably going on twenty-ish years now. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah. We started when our, our Kira was a baby. So um, we, when when she was young, we we wanted a vibrant kids ministry. Um, 
so we had kind of looked around at different churches. Um, at one point, Perry was actually working for United Church in Welland as a youth pastor, um, but they they didn't have a real great kids ministry. There weren't a lot of young families. There wasn't content, contemporary worship, those kinds of things, and it was a real aging community. So, so we started looking um, and really what, I can't remember actually how we came to Fairview Louth at the time, but what kept us there and what kept us from continuing to look was honestly the intentionality of, of people reaching out to us and welcoming us. Um, we have vivid memories of um, being in the lobby after church and people coming up to us and re repeatedly, um, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, seeking us out. We were very quickly um, brought into a life group, which immediately got us involved with the church and other young families. Um, so that's what kept us there was the, the feeling of welcome. We had been to other few churches and we honestly felt anonymous and could remain anonymous for years. So um, that was different about um, Fairview Louth and that's really what kept us. I should also say that I I went to school at, in Waterloo and attended Waterloo, um, Waterloo Mennonite Brethren and so that was my first taste of a Mennonite Brethren church um, and so um, I was familiar with that and so was Perry, he grew up in Waterloo. Um, so yeah, so that also had to do with, it just felt, it kind of felt like home. So that's that's how we landed at Southridge. That's great. And and the last few years, well, since, since its inception, actually, you've been part of our Welland location. Do you want to talk about how you've kind of plugged in there and what your roles are primarily in that community? Yeah, so um, we we started, well, we, we were one of the original families that kind of, uh, helped establish the Welland location. Um, so so that was great. Um, the early years of that were exciting but hard. It was all hands on deck. Kind of feels like that way again uh, post-pandemic. Um, it was all hands on deck. We were doing a variety of things um, while we were establishing the church. Um, I primarily served where my kids were. So when they were in nursery, I served there. When they're in preschool, I served there. And MS, the same thing. Um, Perry is uh, a riot leader. Uh, he is gifted with that age group. I am not. Uh, he is really great with kids that age. And so that's where he has mostly served and remains serving today. Um, I also helped establish the kitchen ministry in our new Welland location. Um, so that was uh, kind of a neat opportunity that I had was to um, kind of see what the new ministry and anchor cause was going to be in Welland once we purchased the new building. So, so I was able to help establish that and uh, I continue to serve there today as I'm able. Yeah, pretty involved in the anchor cause there, which really defines all of our locations. And so it's one of those like... <laughs> Again, you'd probably testify to the fact that if you're not engaged in that aspect of the life of our church, you really don't get what our church is even about. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard to articulate that to others. But when you're in it, you, you, you sort of get it, don't you? Absolutely. When I, uh, when I come home from 
a harvest kitchen or a community kitchen, I'm absolutely physically exhausted, but I am so full uh, uh, spiritually. I grow spiritually and, and I, I, I'm not alone in that. The other volunteers would say the same thing that it is, it, it is, there's, there's nothing like it. It's even hard to express and put words in um, when, when you are serving um, others and engaging with people in that way. So it is, it's really transformative. Fantastic. Hey, I want to shift gears and dive into now this new role. Um, <clears throat> Cause in the last now few months, you've joined uh, our church's board of elders. And, you know, one of the themes that we discuss when we're in the interview process is what the Bible refers to as aspiring to eldership. Uh, it's an awkward phrase and probably makes people uncomfortable to respond to, but can you comment on why you would have either aspired to this role or at least been willing to kind of let your name stand and, and, and go through the process and ultimately become part of the team? Yeah, I, I can't say I aspire to the role. It was never a goal of mine to be an elder. Um, I, 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 the, the word motivation works better for me than aspire. Um, I was encouraged to go through the process by some friends, my husband, my daughters. Um, I was open to considering the role. Um, as I started to kind of better understand what being an elder meant, um, it started to feel kind of less daunting and kind of started to feel like it did fit with my spiritual gifts and my life experiences. Um, five years ago, like after some major health challenges, I don't have the physical capability to physically serve the way that I used to because um, of the, some of the limitations. And so the role of an elder, um, it kind of started to fit physically with me, but also um, with respect to my identity. Uh, after I after I got sick, it, it, being sick really destroys your self-confidence and it destroys mm. your uh, sense of identity and your purpose. And I was very much like, who am I now? If I can't do what I used to do, who am I now? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and so gradually kind of tipping my toe in and starting with helping establish the Welland uh, anchor cause was really the start of me starting to experiment and go, who am I now? What can I do physically? What can I do cognitively? And where can I plug in? And so, so over time, my confidence built and I kind of started to feel like, well, I want women elders on the board. I believe that women need to be elders on the board. I want representation from Welland. I started to think, why not me? So alongside that, you know, I turned 50 in January and uh, I am definitely in the back half of my life. <laughs> and you do start to think about what am I going to do with the rest of my days and how can I best serve? And so it started to feel like a fit. Want to drill into that a little bit more because that's really part of what's been inspiring about this journey uh, you know, even a physical recovery for you is discovering through that, through that 
uh, kind of valley of shattered confidence, discovering actually there's a, a really unique and special fit for you in, in a role like this. So can you can you comment on that a little bit, D, when you were reflecting on your previous church and leadership experience, your professional background, even some of your strengths or spiritual gifts? Um, what is it that you felt like God had prepared you to actually contribute to the board. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've spoke about my previous church experiences, right? Grow growing up in a small church, there is ton of we we didn't have youth leaders. If we wanted a youth group, we did it ourselves, and we did. Uh, we had mentors that poured into us. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of those mentors go to Southridge. Um, Karen Buller from Vineland was a mentor to me. Karen Longhurst, I think she works there now. She yeah, was a mentor to me. Um, Stephen Cowley, I think, who goes to Vineland. Like these people poured into us, and the vast majority of us um, continue to be involved in church ministry today. So, um, so that's that's huge. The importance of mentoring. Um, as mentoring young people. Um, I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, in terms of my professional experience, prior to getting sick, um, I was a director at a very large social service agency in Niagara. Um, and so we were responsible for strategic planning. We were accountable to the government for outcomes. Uh, we had to be very careful with spending taxpayer money. Um, all of those things are applicable to the elder role. Um, so, so I bring with me that stuff, which um, never in a million years would I ever thought I would have used those skills as an elder, but, um, but I bring kind of that experience with me. Um, yeah. What was, what was your question again? Well, I'll ask a follow-up question because you pretty much answered it. Um, okay. You know, you, you mentioned that you wanted to see more female representation. You wanted to see some uh, additional Welland representation. Are there any other features of diversity that you feel like, especially now that you're familiar with uh, the board and some of the other board members at this point, um, is there any other diversity that you feel like you're bringing kind of uniquely to the to the table? Um, well, I'm a therapist. I mean, Joan is as well, <laughs> um, but I'm practicing as a therapist these days. Um, uh, so there's that. Um, and I have a chronic illness. Uh, so, so I live with that kind of on a daily basis, managing that. But um, each of us are very different in our personal backgrounds and experiences where we come from. Um, so it is quite an, an, an eclectic group. Um, three men and three women and five men at this stage. So, yeah, those are the kind of things that differentiate me, I guess. Cool. Um, one of the things that I like to talk about anytime I get to chan a, a chance to talk with one of our board members or another voice on uh, kind of the role of the board in a church is this function of governance. And I know in smaller churches, it can be a bit more of a leap to kind of get your head around the even biblical, let alone the fiduciary role of governance. 
Um, in the few months that you've now acclimatized into the board, uh, never mind with your previous work experience and whatnot, can you comment on how you're understanding governance and what is unique about the function of governance compared to the other contributions in ministry that you've made? Yeah, the, the most helpful image that I was given in terms of governments is it, it's a view that's 30,000 feet above. So it's really big picture. So um, the Southridge is, you know, led by staff, it's staffed, but it's protected by elders. And so we have this really big view. We get to see where we've been and have an evaluation kind of component to it. And then we get to look at where are we going? Where's, what is the future strategic planning that needs to be happening? Um, all the while desiring the will of God, right? In every decision. Um, and so, so that, that image to me has been really helpful to understand governance. Um, you know, and, and sometimes in meetings, um, it's easy to get into the weeds. And so, you know, someone will say that's operations, right? We don't get into the, uh, how things are done day to day. We get into the why, why are we doing what we're doing? Does it align with scripture? Does it align with our mission and our values? Um, so we are really focusing on the why as opposed to the how. That's a great description. I, I'm wondering, you know, for church leaders listening in from other churches that may be navigating the, the role and function of their own board, or maybe they're serving on a board, uh, as well as for church members at Southridge who have never sat in, kind of pulled the curtain back and sat in on a, on a, a Southridge elders meeting. Um, so far in your new experience, Dee, what would you say would be one thing that you'd want to share to people outside of our board to help them kind of better understand, like, I wish you could know this about, <laughs> about our board and, and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me would be, um, the elders, we are your boss, Jeff. <laughs> so, I mean, ultimately God is our, our boss. Um, but, but you are ultimately, you're, you're accountable to the elders. We, we hold you to account to, um, behavior, to delivering on goals and objectives. Um, and so that, that should be reassuring to uh, church members and congregation. And, it is, and I also know it's reassuring to you because we also have your back. The, the, the best boss I ever had in my, in my job was one that I knew had my back, but also demanded a lot and demanded uh, that, that I deliver. And so, so, to me that when I learned that about the board of elders, um, that, that was significant for me. So that would be the one thing that I would share with people is that that's, that's what the elders are. And ultimately I would say that's what the role of governance is. It's overseeing the ministry. And if the ministry is staff driven and led, you know, through departments, 
and through leadership teams and ultimately pulled together by a, a leadership team that's led by a first chair leader, the, the primary purview of the governing happens with and through the oversight of the, 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 the ministry of that first chair leader. And so I know a lot of, uh, you know, even in the corporate world, uh, a, a lot of first chair leaders do play a, a, a leadership and an influential role on a board and with a board. But here in Ontario, I mean, from a legal perspective, no staff can be a voting member of a board. And uh, in, in our context, the, the, the board oversees the first chair leader in, in this season. That happens to be me. And so that that's a... I would agree that's a critical role for church members and even other church leaders listening to understand because then that creates the structure and the accountability and hopefully the trust in the whole system of leadership that we that we have as a church. I'm wondering, uh, you know, in, in kind of response to that or, or moving that a little bit forward, when, when you talk about making a contribution to the board, and, you know, knowing you've grown up in the church and, and you, you know, you, you love the church. What is it that you're hoping to see through your role as an elder? What, what are you hoping to see happen in our church through your contribution? Where, where, where do you see the, the elders moving the church in the future? Yeah, um, well, I, I think post-COVID is going to be an era. Don't know what that's going to look like, um, what opportunities that will bring, but that that will certainly be a future focus is um, what have we learned from COVID? Uh, what do we need to do different moving forward? Um, how to people are distracted. Like there's so many distractions. I, one thing, one thing we learned from COVID is uh, th th that, you know, people were content being at home. <laughs> and yet when you get back to church and you are worshiping with others in the auditorium, uh, it is way better. It is way better. We need each other. So, so kind of figuring out emerging from the pandemic what where are we at and where are we going to go certainly um i, I guess a, an, another piece of that is continuing to dive into being a missional church so how do we move that ball forward I, you know so to speak how do we move people towards this we know that uh it's life-changing and it's it's life-changing for both it's life-changing for us who serve and who are, are willing to put ourselves out there um this this is how we we grow spiritually uh this is a primary primary way that we grow spiritually is is to invest ourselves in the anchor causes um and so so how to continue to move that ball forward and um and continue to engage in that. And what does that look like? Each each location is very different. We do three very different things at three very different locations. And uh, so so that's going to continue to be a, an ongoing discussion, I think. Um, yeah, moving forward. 
You mentioned uh, kind of coming out of COVID. I know that there's been huge implications in the church as there has been in the world when it comes to the, the pandemic. And it's probably heightened the percentage or the, the population of people who are kind of apathetic about the church or who have even given up on the church. When I listen to your story, you know, from a, even a, a young child, like you've always been part of local church life. And I know that you know lots of people have struggled with local church and, you know, whether it should be part of their lives or whatever. We use the word, you hear the word deconstruction used a lot these days. What, what would you say to anyone listening who has experienced pain through the church or anyone listening who knows of people who have experienced pain through the church and are tempted to give up on it? What, what would you say to that person these days? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, this, this quote has been thrown around a lot, right? Gandhi's quote, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Um, it, you know, it, the church is made up of flawed, hurting people. And somehow we need to separate the church from Christ. Um, flawed people and uh, terrible policies and harmful ideologies have harmed people and continue to harm people. Um, that's not Jesus. That's flawed, hurting people. Um, I use this quote a lot, hurt people, hurt people. And that's what you see reflected in the church, unfortunately. And I, I guess I would encourage them not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, try and separate the two. Um, there's a ton of books and great podcasts out there about others who have walked that same walk. Um, I mean, a couple that, that I have read, Out of Sorts by Sarah Bessie, um, Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans, who's passed away now, unfortunately. Um, Faith After Doubt by Brian McLaren. Like, there's, there's a lot of written material and podcasts out there um, about... Um, yeah, the, the process of, of being hurt by church and kind of working your way through that and kind of making sense of it. So that's what I would say. Hmm. Kind of shifting gears or taking a next step in, in that conversation, D, knowing how passionate you are for the church, I guess my question would be why? Like, what is it that you love about the church or even specifically, what is it that you love about Southridge and, and where do you see the greatest opportunities to share the person and love of Jesus these days? Yeah, well, there's no plan B. Um, this, this is God's design. Um, the church is the bride of Christ. This is his plan. This is a primary tool for transformation to become more like Christ is, is to participate in the local church. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there's, there's ton of opportunity uh, to do that post pandemic. Um, the, the, the impact of the pandemic on addiction and mental health and domestic violence that I see in my world every single day in, in my job um, is, is quite something. Um, and 
what what we know is that uh, loneliness is the new smoking. Um, loneliness leads to very dark places, and I mean, I I mean, a personal example is my my mom has been locked away uh, for months and months and months in a retirement home. Um, her her physical and mental health have declined. Um, she is locked away from her community and her connections, and that's been a very real, um, uh, visible, uh, I don't know what to call it, um, tragedy. Yeah, observable, as a result of the yeah, an observable trend. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, just the other day, this study was, was brought to my mind. I don't know if you've heard of the Rat Park study. No, I haven't. But, Tell us about it. So, so this is a study that was done in the 1970s around the area of addiction and mental health. And so um, they put individual rats in a cage um, with a bottle of water and a bottle of water laced with cocaine. And so an individual rat in a cage will repeatedly go to the water with cocaine. Then they put a group of rats together in a cage with a bottle of water and a bottle of water with cocaine. And time and time again, the rats would choose the water. Even if they did choose the water with the cocaine, it was only uh, temporarily. It wasn't a repetitive. Um, the individual rats would choose the water and cocaine till they died. The group of rats, uh, chose the water more frequently and had very happy lives. So that is, I mean, addiction is about a community and and connection and the lack thereof. Um, and so the pandemic has just shone a spotlight on um, what happens when when we are separated from each other. So yeah, so I am. I can't wait to to return to church and. It's been great so far, and I look forward to restrictions continuing to ease up so that um, our numbers can kind of return and people feel safe to return. So we need we need to be in community with each other. That's how we change. Hmm. Dee, as we wrap up, when I think about the leaders from other churches that are listening in and the members from Southridge that track with these conversations week after week, uh, are there any final encouragements or challenges that you would want to share with them about engaging fully in God's future for the church? Um, just that, like, you know, when we talk about a life of full devotion, um, being a part of a missional church uh, like Southridge is is an absolute privilege. Um, it, it, we get so much out of being stretched when we serve others, when we put ourselves in proximity of people that are different from us, um, when we engage with people that are, that are diverse. Um, so, I mean, I, I would encourage people to, to dive into an anchor cause, either at their location or one of the locations. Um, and, and just be open to 
how God can change you and mold you and, and soften you, um, and really grow you spiritually. So that would be my encouragement. Amazing. Dee, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Really appreciate uh, your previous podcast on your personal journey and now uh, sharing your insights and your early experiences as a member of our board. We're great to have you as as part of that group. And uh, to all of you who are listening in and continuing to track with us, thanks for joining us again this week. And we'll see you uh, back here in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.